I'm Brendan Kearney, and you're listening to the Belgian Smack Podcast, where we explore the world of Belgian beer. In 2009, a faulty thermostat in a brewery conditioning room caused 13,000 bottles of beer to explode and a further 67,000 to be ruined. The beer was Eau de Huse, a blend of one, two and three-year-old lambics which couldn't just be reproduced overnight. The impact on the brewery was almost fatal. They were pushed to the brink of bankruptcy and forced to sell their brewing installation to pay the bills. They survived by distilling and selling what was left of the beer and putting some special vintage bottles from their cellar on the market. That same brewery, Brauerei Driefonteinen in Beersel, in Belgium's Pyotenland, was named in 2015 by Ratebeer as the best brewery in Belgium, and the third best brewery in the world. My guests this evening are Armand de Balder and Michael Blankart of Driefonteinen. In the beautiful surrounds of the central courtyard in St. Peter's Abbey in Ghent, we discuss the difficulties they have overcome, the challenges of producing one of the most unique styles in the world and the succession strategy of their new team for a beer which requires planning years in advance. In particular, Michel talks about what it's like to take over the brewing of one of the most revered beers on the planet and Armand touches on his relationship with his father and his obsession with preserving a tradition which many still do not understand. Sit back, listen and enjoy Armand and Michel of Driefonteinen. Uh, well, this is this is uh, a primeur, like we call it here. Um, this is the first blend of one, two, and three-year-old three Fontaine Lambic from the new uh, installation, the new brewery that we installed in 2012. Um, so this is 100% three Fontaine Lambic blended to Gus, bottled on the 7th of October last year. Um, so still quite young. Um, which we're very proud of. And then, of course, the name, which is uh, the Cuvée Armand and Gaston, uh, which is very important for us too. We decided to to call this this special Trifontaine blend to give it this name because for us it's very important that we continue what uh, first Gaston started and then which Armand took over and, and got more passionate even than his father, I guess, about. And, you know, this is something that you're, you know, going to continue on yourself. But, f- so for people that maybe don't know Cuvée, Gaston Armand, uh, Gaston uh, was your father, um, and you're Armand, so it's uh, it's a little bit of a, a nod to kind of the history of the brewery itself. And how would you, how would you describe the, the flavour profile of this beer, maybe compared to other uh, of the Driefontein beers, Armand? Because this is a single blend, yeah. But a little bit different with uh, our classical uh, lambics, our homebrewed lambic is a little bit more bitterness because we just try to put more hops. And uh, we brewing maybe not with the most ideal hops because it's very hard to find them. But they are very old, so we just did it. So we're using Challenger, for example, in, the, in this brew. Um, but at the same time, we had the uh, foreign experience with the Armand 4, 
uh, blends. And because it's uh, rather young from October to now, it's you need another one, two years, and that you know that bitterness is aging in the sense of it's losing its bitterness. So this will be a well-protected, beautiful conservation and uh, really very beautiful, uh, nice uh, acidity, which makes it very complex and very fruity flavored, which I can't say that it's dominating uh, aromas or fruity flavors are green apple with a bit of apricots in that style, I would say. A little bit grapefruit as well, that is also the bitterness. But um, we have a nice balance in acidity, so a lot of character, and this will be for sure a bottle which will age a very long time. I, yeah, you talk about the fruitiness, and you know you have some of that sort of lactic citrus flavor there. But you mentioned that you know the green apple flavor, which perhaps people associate with Driefontaine. Uh, is that something that kind of is a signature flavor in, in a lot of your beers? But it's it's always a little bit uh, Driefontaine is dominated by green apple. I don't I don't know why, really why, but it's 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 happened. Now at this moment we have, uh, yeah, this is a marvelous, beautiful blend. And uh, I think that gives us just the courage to continue and to be sure that we are doing well, so we don't have to move too much on the recipes. It will be changed, of course, but it is very well brewed, beautiful barrel aged, and uh, let's say under influence of the wild ferment, the wild yeast fermentation, not controlled at all. I think we can be very happy with this. Absolutely. And, um, you know, <clears throat> Driefontein are a brewery that has a, quite a, you know, high profile in Belgium and also in, in different countries around the world. I um, think uh, there's a, a rating website called Rate Beer. And um, last year, uh, Driefontein had two beers in the top 100 beers of 2015. You were named as the best brewery in Belgium in 2015. And... You were named as the third best brewery in the world in 2015. Um, so when you see these kind of things happening, obviously you have a lot of people talking to you. What, what, how does that make you feel, or what kind of, how much stock do you put on sort of labels like that? First of all, we decide not to put that in the press. That's first of all. So nowadays, uh, breweries when they get the gold medal or whatever contest, they have a lot of publicity. So I, I think it's Michael and me and even Werner. We are not so for publicity and not all that uh, stuff around. So we prefer to do it very simple. And as the Marina and Michael keep it just for us. And for me, I'm 65 this year. This is the crown of my total lifetime job. And I keep that a little bit for my own. I share it with people, of course, because it's published in Red Beer. So everybody or every beer geek in the world knows who we are and what we are doing. Stop. That's more than enough, and I'm very thankful for that. And I cannot say enough thank you to all our fans, because Rate Beer is a lot of fans and not a contest, whatever your way. You have to pay a lot of money just to be part of it for one beer. So this is the most honest contest for me in a certain way. But at the same time, we have to be very thankful. And for me, 65. And at the same, also for the, the younger generation, like Michael and Bennett, they have a very good 
next, uh, in short term future, in which we did well. And that's maybe the most important thing is that to give them the courage to do as fanatic as I was. And I can say you surely that Michael and Bernard are maybe more fanatic than I was because we can do it now financially. So I said, yeah, thank you, but stop. No yeah. big t- journalists and interviews and all. Uh. For, for us, the price was not, yeah, of course, they, they named it the Trifontaine Brewery, but, but this was something something for Armand, for all the things that he did just, just for Lambic and Gus all the last years, all his passion that he put in, into this beer. Um, and like he says, this is, this is the crown on his work. For us, it's all, it's just starting. So this is not a price that, that you, if you can call it a price, but this is not a name that you can get if you start something. This is something that you get from a long time of work. So it's totally our more. <coughs> the great work. thing is that you know there, there's quite a, a lot of exciting things happening, and the future mm-hmm. um, is quite exciting. But before we go into that, and we will talk about that, let's let's go back and let's go to May the sixteenth, two thousand and nine, what has sometimes been referred to as the thermostat incident or the thermostat catastrophe. Um, so tell me a little bit about what happened when you woke up that day and went into work, Adamon. <laughs> so I discovered that on a Saturday morning at half past seven. I was just looking to find that, open that warehouse just to find some bottles of course, because in our shop in Beersel there was not stock enough. And when I opened it, it's like a, a sauna effect. So it was very, very warm. And I immediately understand what was going on. So I just went to the room in which we're storing the bottles from the second fermentation, second wild fermentation of the bottles. And we keep it between 16 and 18 degrees Celsius all the winter. So the, the thermostat starts heating, but didn't stop anymore. And I think it has been done for two days, certainly. So I'm very glad that I didn't have an accident because I was I just went into the room and the bottles were exploding around me. So the, the thermostat would have normally been set for the normal bottle conditioning room temperature of like 25, 20? No, 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 no. It should stop at 18 degrees. Okay, so and, and what what was it? Just 70. Okay, okay. Close to the heating was the bottles, the beer was 17 degrees. That's why the bottles exploded. Okay. So in the total uh, stock was about 80,000 bottles. Okay. And from these 80,000, there were 13,000 exploded bottles. So there was glass everywhere in all the containers. So the first reaction is to, uh, took my phone and just phoned to my wife and I said to Lydia, we are bankrupt, we are bankrupt. That was the first reaction. I saw that everything was in that way damaged. Uh, let's say after 10 minutes, Lydia was there, even in her pyjama because she was just waked up. And she really understand it was very serious what was going on. And I think uh, a bit thanks to Lydia that uh, she just put me down on the earth again and she was shaking me, all my body, and said, Mom, stop, 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 stop. You don't have a bad disease. You can wake tomorrow morning, you can start working again. And that was very important because that same week we just had two very good friends with cancer. So what's the damage of a few bottles of curse in your life? But of course, we had to find a solution for all that. And of course, the most important thing was there was no more money coming in. That was my... I was very anxious about that. Well, I mean, you, you, you put it in perspective there with sort of your friends having an illness, but also people should also understand that this is not something that you can go and brew the next day. This is something that... 
you, you have to brew, you have to then age in wood, you have to blend, and then you have to bottle condition. So it's not like you can just turn this around in a very short space of time. Um, okay, so so your uh, your most of your stock has exploded, and you're in big financial trouble. So what's your next step? Um, uh, as the force of all. Uh, phone to the insurance company, but uh, there was no fire, there was no insurance. That's it. But it was a production problem, so we're not, we didn't have any insurance for production. And then uh, after that, I just phoned around, and there was another brewer which I called, and unbelievable too. But he answered on the Saturday, and he helped me also just put me down again on that and. <coughs> but see what can we do for the future. Uh, I was at the same time also in school for distillation, and uh, the teacher would just give this course in school. I just phoned him and I said, "I have this problem." And I said, "Okay, Armand, just keep down, keep calm. We will see. You bring some bottles on Monday, and we will distill them. With that, we can find a solution." And then after that, all that, uh, after a few days, yeah, you have to reorganize everything around you. And I have to say, honestly, that mostly my wife, which just came very important in my life at that moment. You had just gotten married, right? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. A few no, no, months no, 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 no. <laughs> I asked Lydie on Wednesday to marry me, and she said yes. And on Saturday, I said, shoot, we don't marry anymore because I don't have any money anymore. I'm bankrupt. The wedding's she, off. The wedding is off. And she said, no, no, no. I said, yes, it will be yes. And uh, <laughs> that's really true. It's a very nice test. <laughs> it was a very First hard <laughs> we, it's, it's really true. And after that, yeah, we see, let's say, I'm also responsible for the whole in the brewery, but that's where she came more and more dominating role in the sales. And Lily is really a saleswoman. She worked for a big American company in the sales. And I was a very artisanal brewer, so I have to sell your products f to make money. Otherwise, I don't, didn't care about the sales because we sold the product. And after that, there were other friends around me that said, Armand, if you promise me to, conti to continue, we will help you. Yeah, but there is no money. We don't have any money. We cannot sell beer anymore. And uh, that's what happens. Some other brewers helped us. Uh, so are, th are these f from Belgium or from other countries? No, some uh, two families, born and Lindemans. And other countries, uh, for example, Samkrag uh, Lijoni, the official brewery. He brewed a very special batch for the De Fontaine, and the profit he sent us a beautiful US dollar check. Um, Pete Schlossberg, very famous Pete Swigadel, just helped us just to start uh, thinking how we can find a solution. And he brought a little bit of Armand Four, the very special single blend that we bottled after that. Uh, a lot of ideas around me. Uh, uh, my sister will help me with the money because the bank is not there for you anymore. Uh, I sold my brewery installation just for people who just... So at that stage, you didn't have a brewery anymore after that? Yeah, we, still, yeah, yeah, we, didn't, we stopped brewing. And uh, there was somebody which was, was very interested in the brewery. And we sold the brewery for cash money because we needed that to pay everything. 
but uh, like we were blenders, uh, also family of Lindemans and uh, Born, if you promise I'm out to continue, you can pay when you have the money. That's what happens. We're sure you will give, uh, you will pay us. And, and what, was, there, was there a moment at all that you were like, you know what, I'm just going to stop now? Or were you always sort of um, dead set on, on focusing on the future and trying to rebuild? No, 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 we stopped. Ooh. No, I, mean, I had I was stopping. I was just to try to, to, to blend and to bottle some bottles and, and, and to sell our business and to pay everybody. That was in my mind. No, no, were, it was over in my mind. No, no. So that's the second step after that, a catastrophe in the next years that they helped me just to give me the energy and to just to push me to continue because uh, even my wife and I were thinking about stopping everything. So, uh, but this, again, there were also people around us that they say, stop out, sit down, we will talk. What's your balance? We'll see financially what you can do. And uh, other people also helped us financially. So I have to say many times, thank you. I, you know, that's, I think um, the beer community can, can be kind of uh, extremely warm and giving and helpful. But there was the idea to make a foundation, eh? a little bit on the uh, like in the US they were doing, but uh, Liddy didn't accept that. Who will do that? Please buy us a bottle, because not all the stock was distributed. It was the production of that year which has been destroyed. We had a lot of stock out of that room, not damaged by the heating, and there were a lot of beautiful bottles in it. So in next summer we brought them on the market, all these. I was aging girls for uh, 2002 bottle condition, for example, I had a lot of this 2002. So we brought another bottle, so that helped us to bring money in. And then the idea, originally from Peach Schlossberg and Lydie, why we don't make a single blend, what she called Armand 4, not Three Fontaine, because Three Fontaine, there are different lambics, Armand 4 is only Three Fontaine. And again, she wanted a new bottle, but she, we don't have money for that. She wanted a beautiful box, we don't have money for that. And out in, But when we brought it on the market, it was in 2010. I bottled in 2010 and brought it on the market in 2011. The single Armand 4, single blend, uh, or brute, I have to say. Uh, again, Lydie, she just asked 24 euro for a bottle. You crazy woman, that's more than a bottle of champagne. We will pay 24 euro. No, I need 24 euro. And I promised her, if you sell of the first day, 100 bottles, we go to Brussels restaurant, three stars, get Michelin to eat, because I've never been in a three stars, get Michelin restaurant. So I will offer you a, a beautiful dinner over there. How many the, does she sell? <laughs> the first day we sold 800 bottles. There you go. <laughs> so it didn't so cost there, me a So it was a nice bit. dinner. <laughs> no, 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 she didn't want the dinner. It cost me more than that because she would like her to like a beautiful ring on her finger with uh, some diamonds. It cost me a few times of the dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cost you more in the end. <laughs> but she was right in all the strategy and that's a bit on her... Um, experience in American way of sales. So you had sold your brewery yeah. and you were just blending at that time? Yeah. So when did you get the new uh, the new brewery? 2012, I yeah. think we did. Uh, we started again. Yeah. I was just looking for a job where I could work with my hands and where I could see the, the whole picture of a product from beginning to ending, that was very important to me. That was also what I was uh, putting in on, on, on the websites for job appliance. 
was just a familiar uh, company, small company. Um, and then I, I saw Brewery Three Fontaines, which I hadn't heard from before, which was a, a goose blender, which was something very new to me. And then uh, they were very flexible. They looked for some somebody who was very flexible in working hours because at the time I was still working nights at the, at the hotel. Um, and then yeah, I, I came for the for the interview and I sat together with Lydie. Uh, because our mom was very hard working at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, from the first moment, I, I got a really good connection with Lydia, I guess. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then I could start working after a few days. Uh, and after three or four weeks, we are more asked to, to, to start full time. Uh, so you were, you were when, you, when you started working, you were just straight into the brewery itself? Yeah, it was just first time connection for for the for and did you have and did you have brewing experience? Not at all, nothing. So nothing. everything was completely everything new. was completely new. And I, for me, I still think this is this was still very important. I guess um, to start from basic from zero without any knowledge, because everything I've learned till now and everything that I still have to learn comes from Armand. And of course, also by the experience that I get now from from other things that happen around the brewery, of course. Um, but for and I think for a motto that it's very important that you don't have the. It's it's not what we make. It's not only the scientific process. Taste it, it's the most important for us. Um, and getting to know all those things, learning all those things from Armand, it's uh, it's very important for me. Yes, because you you know you're you're taking uh, knowledge from someone who's been doing it for so long, yeah. and has learned you know, you know lots of things himself. But I mean, are you do you ever feel intimidated by kind of taking this into the future and making sure you can um, create something as beautiful as what has gone before you, or are you pretty are you a pretty confident person? Uh, intimidated, um, yes, when, when, because most of the people, brewers, which create other beers, they have much more knowledge as we do, as I do, of course, and that's sometimes maybe intimidating, but on the other hand, it's not the same process, it's not the same type of beer that we're making. For what we are doing, it's, it's totally different. Um, and in the beer that we are working, just for the Lambic and the Goose, I'm confident enough that, that we can do it. Yeah, that's, that's not a problem. Well, not a problem. That's, that's what we are confident enough for. Um, but don't ask me or, or, or the people that were working at Three Fontaine to do something totally different uh, in of a course, few years. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not, that's and I mean, not what we can do. You've obviously seen something in Michael that has given you confidence to to know that the, the next generation of, of Driefontein and beers are going to be in safe hands? Just, first of all, it's input for working. He likes working, that's first of all. Because it starts working in the Lambic Railway. You need a lot of hours, and it's very physical. Second, the passion. And very, very, very beginning, I, I discovered it was tasting very well. Very good nose as well. And after that, uh, I feel that rather quickly that the, the passion is there. And... Uh, Lambic brewer has to be passionate. 
And I would say that even for myself, I'm not a brewer. I'm a Lambic brewer. That's different. And don't give me or compare me to another to any other brewer. Because they really have to know a lot of knowledge. But Lambic is experience. And that means if you have been on the university, whatever, and you have a lot of research, whatever, and you come in a Lambic brewery, start with, I don't know anything. Nothing. Because there is nothing normal in that beer. There is nothing normal in that beer. At the same time, it's, uh, that's why it's also very exciting. Because forget all the rules. And like I very often say, we don't have an Excel file just to fill in and we will do this. Forget all that. That's why I don't want to work with brewing engineers because they have a knowledge, maybe a lot of knowledge and good knowledge. And they will try to bring that knowledge into a Lambic world. But Lambic world, there is nothing normal. Wild yeast, what's a wild yeast? If you can explain me, yes, you can explain. You can see that in the microscope, you can see. But you can predict what they will do. Can you know what the character will be from the battle? Each barrel is different. Each fermentation is different. Each batch is different. So we have to respect certain rules, of course, in our brewery process, and that's very important. And that's what we're doing. So we are going very, very back to the roots, the old roots, how brewing Lambic. We respect that, and we have a lot of respect. That's why, Michael, uh, I felt that rather quickly that we he had the real passion for that. And I think... You understand fairly early that, like my father always said, forget Armand, because the guy who knows what Lambic is is not born yet. That was his explication. And I think it's, I think it's still true, he's not born yet. We know, maybe we know a lot of more. So what? Can you predict what will be your fermentation? I would say no. And those who say, okay, yeah, they have maybe a lot of more knowledge, technical knowledge. But if you taste these products, do we have to be an engineer? But if you don't have the passion and, <laughs> and the character to work that many hours, because just an example, a batch of brewing lambic, that means 14 hours a day. If you don't like to work 14 hours a day, don't start as a lambic brewer. Why? Because we have that long boiling process. That's all very old traditional, what we are respecting. And that's why Michael is uh, so very important for me, because fairly early, I understand that, and I was uh, coming out home, and I said to Lydie, uh, I think uh, with Michael we will have a future. That's how things are growing up to what we're doing now together, then working together. And in general, we will say, you have to feel, the, but that's why, for example, in our brew plant, there is nothing automatic, eh? no way. You have to see what your brew is doing. You have to see how your boiling process is. It depends on outside temperature. It depends on a lot of it. Yeah, so you, have, you really have to feel it in your fingers. But from the first second, second with the malt and the, and the wheat till the end products in the bottle, it's a lot of that. So if you don't have that, uh, I can teach you, of course. That takes years. That's what's going on now. So, for example, on this very special primer, uh, Michael brewed that. He made the blend. I didn't make the blend. Uh, I was around and just watching up and just he tells me his strategy, how we're going to manage it. Because something which is as important as brewing is your battle management. 
<laughs> as important. Absolutely. So you don't talk to another brewer with a bad management. We have to do that just in seeing function what you're going to do, how you organize everything. And now we are in that way. That's uh, I understand, and that's why it's very good that Michael at the same time is uh, an accountant because he has more. I'm lived more or less like an artist, and I have to be honest. And I was maybe a lucky artist that it went in the good direction, but he's more in calculation. And uh, when I say he's, some, uh, he's, he's disagreeing, <laughs> but <it's, laughs> yeah, but in a certain way. True. But you, yeah. you have a, you have a, a third partner involved in the in the brewery who unfortunately couldn't make it today, Werner, and Werner is also uh, an accountant. As well, yeah, but it's different. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's on a higher level. It's not just the accounting. Werner is, is is doing the strategic. As long as we have a strategy, but but we are we are growing at the moment. We are uh, we have a new building where we are going to, um, and of course all the the way the way that we were working last four or five years. Um, you need co- some kind of a structure. To grow right now, um, and that that's where Werner was very important for us to 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 give us that structure. He he he's very uh, punctual for us. Like like we for yeah yeah for us when 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 we yeah, when we are working for us we we put all our effort and our our, our visuals on on the beer and in the feed and, and also. yeah and in the and then we lose a lot of administration stuff and all those things. Um, so he keeps the ship on the straight and narrow, yeah, while you guys yeah, have a little yeah. bit more freedom to. But to that's, it, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Let's say it's again Lily, which you're saying. That's what if we want to grow, and mm. we are a very original and very authentic, and we stay authentic and very original. But nowadays we live today, and you need a lot of control now. You have a lot of control of the state, of course. If we want to be original and uh, to, to want to do what we can, I cannot live like an artist anymore. It's over. Sooner or later, it will cost me a fortune just by paying too much money for the whatever things are. So we have to be organized if we want to grow. So we decided, that's why we asked, for example, that we asked Werner for a certain day to make a business plan. I never saw a business plan in my life. I think, could you bottle a business plan? No. So that's that's what happened to me, a business plan, the first time in my life. And honestly, they would just spend a lot of Sundays, Michael and Werner, to make a business plan. And then they said, we have a business plan. Do you think I understand one word of that business plan? No. <laughs> well, I had this image of you <coughs> lying in bed in the evening, flicking through this uh, very detailed no document. No way, no we, we were We were doing the business plan because, uh, of course, it was Werner who did all the computer stuff and the strategy, and I was just giving my input from yeah. the brewery, like production, what we were going to. Um, and, 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 and Werner, all, we had some... Well, emotional. Some moments that that Armand just came in on Sunday, and not not to control us, but just 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 came in because he knew we were there and, and just say hello. And then um, he he came in and he said like, "This is looking good for me." Like yeah. he saw us working, and yeah. for us this was also yeah. very yeah. very important. Mm-hmm. This this mm-hmm. Armand just, just and, and he had he had all all the confidence in in what we were doing. He could yeah. see that you get because I mean you talked about his passion for beer, but Werner is also someone who loves beer. <laughs> yes, maybe more than we are, <laughs> but he knows a little bit more, about, much more about international beers yeah. and all the styles and the all this thing. So I'm general fixed in my lambic, of course, but that's one thing. But the second time, 
uh, one I saw that just walking together, and I, it's like a tandem. They, 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 they just have the good feeling. They have the very good approach, and the both of a similar age. You get Warner yeah, more or less, Michael. yes, yeah. Thirty-two, yeah. thirty-four, uh, two, yeah, two years older. But at the same time, um, passionate by the beer. But we have to be. We need a strategy. You want it or not. You cannot work anymore. Working, working, working without a strategy. And at the same time, also, we need, for the financial part of the business, we need also to go to the bank, and the bank needs all the strategy, your business plan, and that's... It's, it's, very, it's very important. It's and I think that I think we should have a strategy now to open another bottle. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> um, I would do that, yes. So maybe maybe one of you guys could do the honours and uh, choose a bottle, one of the bottles that you've brought? Maybe if we go, otherwise maybe, maybe it does too much. Maybe we can go for the creek. We just brought some very beautiful uh, examples of what we are going for for the future. Hola. Mooi. Zeker. Schaarbeekse kriek. Ja, alles rukt hier. Alsjeblieft, meneer. Alsjeblieft. Schaarbeekse krikken van de oogst van 2011, Michael. Gebotteld 2010. Ah, gebotteld, oh, nog 2010. Engels, Engels. <laughs> some of us can manage a little bit of Dutch, but we have to go back to English. Okay, so um, is, uh, tell, me, tell me what you've just poured for us. Uh, we put the Scarbeekse Creek from Drie Fontaine. So we picked the cherries in 2010. We put them on our lambic for uh, six or seven months. At least six months. Yeah, at least six months, more than maybe. And then we bottle it in winter and we opened that today so it's bottled from 11 and now we are 2016 it's five years old on the bottle okay so it's quite special that's special yeah. we're using the lambic from between six seven months eight months maximum no 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 then we put the cherries on it the whole cherry with a bit in it stone in it leave them for six seven months and then we, we just take them very carefully out of the tank. And that goes very carefully because we don't have a filter. Um, just by gravity. So it's natural sediment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we bottle it. Mostly we're adding a very young lambic from a few months just to bring that enough uh, young yeast into the bottle, into the blend to, to have a second fermentation. And that's what happened here. And the Scarbeckse Krieke, it's, uh, it's not really sour cherry. It's, it's, it's a little bit, little bit between. A real sour cherry can be very aggressive and very sour. It's not a sweet cherry because you have the, the tartness of a, of a cherry a little bit, but uh, it's very dominating in taste. And the Scarbeckse is a very small cherry. Let's say there's more stone than the rest of the cherry. That's why very dominating in this, Scarbeckse Krieke is, is the element taste of the stone. That's so dominating. That's, that makes it also an exceptional, beautiful, uh, exceptional beer. Um, at the same time, um, uh, by the aging process, you lost a little bit of the very fruity flavor. For younger, you have, it's aging, of course, and because we have breads in our beer, that, that's, that's changed it a lot. 
but at the same time, it come more to wine. And it's more like a, I would say, very dry. And I'll go to the Pinot Noir. It's very careful for Pinot Noir as a sherry flavor. And that's, again, and it's very aromatic when you open a bottle. Even when you're outside, you have a yeah. lot of aroma. Yeah. And if you don't smell it, don't drink the beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, that's about the, 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 the beautiful character of this beer. And are you, I mean, are you guys planning, um, if I overheard you correctly, to, uh, to grow some of these <laughs> trees uh, in the vicinity of the brewery? No. Which is a much longer term plan, I presume. Hmm. Yes, at least uh, five to seven years now with uh, the new place where we're going to. First, uh, yeah, first start where we wanted to go to with the new place was to bring everything together. Now we are working on three different locations. We have the brewery and the shop in Beersel. And then we have a big part of our production, well, the, the, the bottling and the labeling and the warm heating room, it's in Holland. And then the Lade, where we keep our uh, older barrels. Uh, but the first start was to bring everything more together just to, to get it more efficient, of course, in the beginning. Um, and then we had the opportunity with the place where we are going now to in, uh, in Lot. It's, uh, you also had the opportunity to have the, the land around to buy it. Um, and then there came the idea, of course, to, to put in some scarbics, cherry trees. Um, and we just planned it. 50, I think. 14. 40, 40 trees. Okay, fantastic. This year. So, um, so, so you're saying, how, how long are we, how long is it going to take to get one of those in a bottle? To get that in a bottle? <laughs> maybe next year one cherry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there are cherries on there the tree. There are already cherries on the tree. So yeah, maybe, so can, maybe <laughs> we can already one harvest this year. <laughs> one bottle. <laughs> no, no, but uh, no, no. I think the birds will be more hungry than yeah. we will to have the time just to pick them. But... I was dreaming, but what we are doing now, at this moment, I wrote that down 30 years ago, and 30 years when I was talking about everybody told, yeah, yeah, Armand, Three Fontaine and MQS, it's all over. They didn't believe, they were laughing with me a lot of times. So that's why they give me another name than Armand. It's very often. What was that? Dun Armand. And Dun, that means the crazy guy from Basel World believes in the future of the curse. That's about what I think. So, but it happens, what happens now, and I was right at that moment. Although I was not, I was not saying a prediction. It just, I had the feeling to do that. And I did it. I worked very hard. And that's why the Michael came in my life. Just a good relation we had. Really strategic, took it over. When I came now recently, it's just... He stopped his job in a very big comp company and uh, believing in what we are doing in the future. And me, with my long time, a lifetime experience, I would say, from even what I learned from my father uh, in a certain way. So that means that if the goal was, do we have to be going for the traditions, or do we gonna lose the traditions under info or input of the big money makers? They call them some sometimes brewers. We have to make a decision, but could you predict 10 years ago, even that's so short, 10 years ago that there will be such a new revival for, I would say in general, for local beers, craft beers? No. But I, th I think it's <clears throat> one, one thing that people don't really realize is that at, at a, a point in time that is not so far uh, not so far back, that um, 
people really didn't drink a lot of Huza. People didn't uh, search out bottles from from small breweries in Belgium. That um, there, you know, it was quite difficult to be a Lambic brewery. Um, and you kind of went through that, I suppose, in the in the nineteen eighties and early nineteen nineties. Um, and you must have had a lot of people saying, you know, what are you doing? Or was there enough support from within the community that you always no, this is always yeah, something? That let's say the first of all, I'm very Flemish. I'm really very Flemish. I'm very fanatic in a certain way. And why? Because we're losing our traditions. Not only our language, but so that's why my dialect, is, for example, is very important. So I'm used, mostly using dialect terminology for the description of the beer, because that's what I learned from my father. We don't have an official name. I don't know the Latin names of all these things. Some of these, I would say, do we need that? No. In a certain way, um, if you want to be authentic, you have to respect your, your traditions. And part of your tradition is your taste. And if you don't like the beer, so who cares? If you're not into this taste, so what? But you can go into the what we call, call the sugar consummation of cons, yeah, dominating by the sugar and everything, so that even uh, even meat is sweet nowadays. Um, what we have a beer without rest sugars anymore, with a beautiful acidity, um, and the complexity of that, because we're going into industrial products in general, there is more or less no more taste anymore. So we have maybe too much taste. That's why it's sometimes surprising when you taste it for the first time. But part of our tradition, because Lambic is probably the oldest still brew beer style in the world, in all the world. Yeah. And we are just living in a small area, Brussels and 20 kilometers around. That's all. If you were talking about Lambic, then we talk about that just small part in the middle of Belgium, of Europe, whatever you can say, where we brewed this old style of beer. And if it was there were nobody caring anymore, and then they asked me, but why you did that? I cannot answer you. I had to do that. Why? I don't know. And, and is that why things like uh, Haral are, are quite important then? At a certain moment, yeah, yeah. That you, you kind of do things together? Basically, basically Haral is a little bit my idea. And then together with uh, maybe uh, Frank Bone and Dirk Lindemans that we understand, just we have to find something which will bring us the, yeah, the future of the curse. And I, was, I did the first imitation. It was at our local place in the restaurant that we invite a lot of people and watch just doing with uh, the Lambic brewers and blenders. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, and uh, because I just wrote the invitation, I said, we need a president. And Armand, you wrote the text. You're president now. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're also the current kind of chairperson of, of Haral. Uh, yeah, of course. But, and there's another reason that at the same time, I was also the smaller, pro smallest producer <laughs> from all. So there was no concurrence because concurrence yeah, is Yeah, I mean, that was going to be one of my questions. Is there some politics or are there sort of uh, relationships that maybe, or, or does everyone get on great? Because it's a, it's, it's a relatively small, small number of producers of this type of beer. So, you know, how do the guys all get on together? My answer is uh, very simple. All the brewers, they make basically very good lambics, everybody. The end products are something very different and they are more commercial or less commercial. Uh, 
the more commercial are the fruity flavored beers. We know them. But in a certain sense, they were necessary to just to make that these brewers can survive. And we have to be very honest in that. This is commercial beer that brings the money. And if there was no more very sweetened creek and very sweetened from boys and everything, it doesn't mean I like these beers, but they were necessary to make that this, nowadays, these brewers, they can make original. But they were always brewing original good lambics, always. And some of them have returned to doing that uh maybe where they didn't do it as much? Well, we see recently, uh, back to the roots. Uh, so they will buy again wooden barrels, although they sometimes they use more and more cask, uh, stainless steel. Other brewers, they're just working with foods. Uh, but you find there is a, a market that's open, and, and there is nothing so special in that because that's even, I would say, on world scale, back to the roots. You see that in the wine world, you see that in the food. The big restaurants, they go back to the farms, they go where the growers and the growers, and all this, they go just, take the car just to buy some special butter, whatever, uh, or special meat, or, 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 or special beer. But now, there is back to the roots, and that comes in the gastronomy and opens the gastronomy. I was never expecting that some 15 years ago that there will be a, a Burgers de Fontaine on a three-stars Guide Michelin restaurant table. It happens now because the young sommeliers stop food pairing. Do we need a very old Burgundy wine with a young cheese? No way. But open a beautiful young, a beautiful bottle of goes with young sour platacas and eh, fresh cheese or with a very strong old French or Swiss or Italian cheese. That will be the beautiful uh, food yeah, pairing. People are realizing the potential of, of the sort of the, the food pairing uh, opportunities. And it's so very Flemish, very Flemish. We don't have any proudness about ourselves. That's a big difference between the Dutch and the Flemish. Dutch are very French, they are very proud, they're really people, but we are in Belgium with them. We're a very complicated country. That's why you, we're not. You guys happy. are very complicated. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, let's let's. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the the lambic production itself because you mentioned earlier on that um, you know there is absolutely nothing like it in terms of a brew day and how it's produced. Um, you know, you've got the sort of the high proportion of unmalted wheat. You've got the turbid mash. You've got the long boil. You've got the aged hops, and then you've got the time that it takes after you've uh, spontaneously fermented the beer. So. Can you tell me a little bit about sort of the, the, the day in the brew house, you know, uh, how it goes? Um, it's a lot of long work, but um, kind of what, what are the biggest challenges for you and what are the things that maybe people don't realize happen? Um, of course, it starts early in the morning. We start around six, uh, heating up the water, uh, crushing the grains that's done the day before and then uh, starting up the mesh and then uh, first three four hours of the day it's 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 taking control of the the meshing process um and just be very um how should i call it very uh, yeah you always have to keep your 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 eye on it not lose any concentration yeah yeah. be very concentrated on it are you you uh, doing a multi multi multi-step mash yeah 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 so we have different four different steps Mm -hmm. four different temperature steps uh, and on one step, we take off some part of the mesh yeah. to get it to a higher temperature and put it on for the for the last step before the um, 
filtration. So in the first four or five hours, it's it's you have to be very concentrated, not to lose your your eye on uh, on the temperatures and on the time. Uh, not so hard work, but concentration. Uh, and then it gets more uh, maybe not too technical, but to you get you have to get more uh, for the filtration. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Um, and then keep your eye on the boiling process. And then so you you have a sort of a four is it a four hour boil? You and start you start the boiling um, without the hops, and then you get the the, the foam from the first sugars which are in. Uh, when that goes away, the caramelization. When that goes away, we add, you, we add the hops. Mm-hmm. Which, which uh, I've heard hours. mentioned before are uh, German variety Hallertalmittelfrau uh, and Challenger. Mm-hmm. Which are obviously old. So how old? I mean, uh, how old are these hops, and where, on, where are you aging them, or where are you buying them? Last year yeah. it was '98 from yeah. the Challenger, yeah. and uh, Hollerta was 2000. That's very, that's very old. Oh, very old. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Old, yeah. Because you're not looking for alpha, you're looking for the preservative qualities. Hops is in Lambic world just for conservation only because. Uh, they are not. They don't have uh, that much aroma. That, but they're losing their bitterness by aging. Uh, so you cannot use a challenger for brewing. I'm making them when it's young, of course. But uh, it works. We still have beautiful lambics, and uh, that's now the experience we have. Yeah, the and in, in such a long boil as well. So maybe if you're starting with uh, maybe four thousand liters at the beginning of the day. Um, in your cool ship, you might have around like three thousand two hundred liters or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's it. We lose. Well, we start boiling at a 4,000. We lose around 400 liters during the boiling, and then during the night, from the the cooling, from a bit less than 100 degrees to uh, 16, 17 degrees overnight uh, at the morning, uh, we have left around 3,000, 3,200 somewhere mm. in between. It's always depending on how cold the nights are. Mm. And does anyone come into the brewery and ask where you get your yeast? Every time, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and some of these guys, even American brewers, they won't believe us. Eh? And uh, a few, a few years ago, I was so angry. And yeast, and yeast, and yeast. I just took an empty bottle and I put the crown on it. That's a bottle of yeast. Ah. Yeah. So, but if you don't understand this, we don't have any control of the yeast. It's really wild Saccharomyces, wild Brettanomyces, Enterobacteria, and a lot of uh, families were just having their fun in that beautiful, very sweet. Uh, cooled wort. Um, that's why the fermentation is so unpredictable as well and depends on the outside temperature. From where the wind is coming, part of the production. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I suppose that the one of the more, when you, met, you mentioned art earlier, but one of the more artistic parts um, is that when the, when the wood comes into play and you have to put the wort then in the barrels. So tell me where you're getting those barrels and kind of how you plan, as you, you talked about barrel management. So first of all, we can buy them second hand. We, we don't buy new wood because it's too dominating in, uh, in taste of wood, of course. That's first of all. So we're just lucky when we find some barrels second hand. So we're looking around and we can find them. That's one. Uh, now we are buying more and more fooders and we buy them in Italy because there is a tradition with fooders. In the French wineries, they have tradition of barriques. So there's a smaller barrels. Um, it's very hard to get to find them and to very hard to get them in good condition. So now when we're buying food somewhere else in beautiful wineries in Italy, we send them back to the coopers and they are just refixing them and uh, so that they're very good health when they come in. 
uh, that's what we're doing now. So we have, even in Italy, persons who are just looking around for us. A lot of friends just going to the winemakers if they are thinking about buying new wood. Uh, that's how things are going now. So we try to find a little each year to find more barrels. Um, and now what the experience we have with the food is that we have beautiful lambics, beautiful. Um, that gives us a lot of courage to continue to work. So we're looking for smaller barrels and bigger yeah. barrels. And our strategy for barrel management, and like what we're doing right now, we, we want to have one third of our barrel capacity to have it on, on bigger capacity, like more than two, three thousand liters, and then one third, uh, very small, 400 to a thousand liters, and that's the barrels that we mostly age for two and three years. Mm-hmm. And are you are you kind of going around? Um, on a regular basis, tasting what's in the barrels to ensure you kind of have a handle on uh, what should go with what, or how, how do you how do you kind of approach the the, the whole blending? Uh? Oh, the blending, yeah. It's not like we taste the barrel often. We just taste the barrel when we think we can use it, mm. because we. Okay. It's very important to, to keep the barrel. Bottle. Don't don't touch it. Uh, um, would you, would you would you ever taste it from from the same barrel and have a little bit of a disagreement? One of you believes that. Maybe actually this is ready. The artist waiting. Waiting. Take your time. Mm. Don't talk about lambic world if you don't have time. Time is the most important factor of all the production. It happens that we sometimes we are a little bit disappointed. We say, this is not our best lambic. And that your next year you you taste it again, that we mm. say, Wow. That's each battle has its own character. And that's why it's so it's so important. That's why it's so difficult to blend. That's so important, and I think it's you have to wait. Mm. Last, last, um, some of the one of the blends that we did this year. Um, Werner was working uh, in, in, in the, at the desk, and and I had um, three barrels from the same brew just laying next to each other, and it were the same barrels. We bought them all together, but they all the three barrels they just gave, not just small different taste but really a very important different taste um, and it was so exciting to see what was happening at that time and, and that you could have such much difference in, in just three barrels so <laughs> we control it till till the boiling and then then it's nature who decides everything like our we are brewing with my small fingers these small fingers and we're crossing our fingers every time when we are just brew they finished and then hope it works and it will be a good result. And let's let's be honest now. Now the recent uh, brews, what we taste on the barrels, and how brewed lambic that makes a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. And it is also very exciting, unbelievable exciting. Well, I'm excited to open up our final bottle. Maybe we could have one more bottle before yeah. we finish. Yeah. 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 So let's do that, and then we'll 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 have some more questions. I didn't have the best relation with my father in that way. It's, it's a typical father-son relation. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't know that. I had a father-son relation, so very standard. So never a compliment for me. Always remarks and wah, difficult. We, um, or that makes that we, um, well, makes that we, it took very long, long time and years and years because I called myself a brewer. Maybe he didn't mark, even Michael is doing that. He didn't. He don't call him a brewer. 
Although it's the brewer and it's responsible for the Drifontaine, the brews. And now again, we have... Uh, every time when that happens, it's like a big... Revenge is not a good word, but... Every time when I go, for example, when I come in and I go out, I will say, Eddie, here I am, always. Just Into the brewery? No, no, here. I will give. I will tell that to my father, although he's not that for nine years. Just for myself, that yes, I did it. Yes, I did it. Yes, I, did. I was right because he didn't believe what I was doing. <laughs> oh no, he called me crazy. Oh, big struggle between my father and me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But he was also blending. But in a certain way, he was very proud about what I'm doing. Very proud. I never say that to me. I just got one compliment in my life, all my life. You don't have to change anymore. Bah. So, but everybody, of course, eh? I'm always doing very well, very proud about what I'm doing, but not directly to me. Eh? Bah. That's every time when I'm... Hmm. So, so you still carry that with you, though? Yes, yes, but not in a negative sense. Eh? In a positive sense, that I can, for my own, that I can say to my own, yes, I did it, I did it. And I always say, well, we did it. Eh? So we, we are right to do that. And the name of this beer? Zene y Frontera. Mm -hmm. How would you translate it into English? That's the, the international name. There's no translation possible. <laughs> this, this beer has, brewed, yeah. has been brewed and aged in the neighborhood of the Zene River. And the barrels come from Jerez de la Frontera. So we just used to bring the two names together because it's not a sherry, and it's not a really ghost like we should say, because it's not a blend of one, two, three years, but it's a Driefontaine Ambix. Mm, terroir is very yeah. important the for both, both of the... Terroirs are, and they are dominating. Beautiful acidity of that smart. It's, it's such a beautiful, fine Lambic, and with the aromas of the sherry wine, that makes that it, it, it's a beautiful mariage. Eh? Sherries are so complex. If you have an older girls, you have also that in your nose of the sherry. Well, it's a, it's a perfect name for the beer. Uh, it's a perfect beer to finish this uh, conversation. So uh, thanks so much for coming again and chatting. And uh, I always ask one question at the very end. Um, do you enjoy what, what you do? <laughs> Stupid question. Did you ever get a... <laughs> no answer I to didn't. that question? Not yet, no. Not yet, <laughs> no, otherwise we wouldn't be here. No. Well, thanks for coming and Santé. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah. Good luck with everything Cheers. in the future. Thank thanks. You very much. Thanks for listening, folks. If you want to hear more, why not subscribe to the podcast? And if you liked it, we'd love it if you left a review on iTunes. If there's someone you know you think would enjoy it, please do recommend it to them. And if you want to keep up with our stories, resources and projects on Belgian beer and Belgian chocolate, sign up for our email updates on belgiansmack.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.